Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. The best part about it was that we were here at home. Um, you know, you got to feel the energy of the crowd, how badly they wanted it as well. You know, we got to play for play for each other, but at the same time, this city does deserve it. Um, but we got to have that mindset of going to get it no matter what's happening. And so it felt great. <laughs> now I'm not going to be the show is shot right now because I just did a Ron Burgundy. I am blushing. Welcome to Off the Bench. I'm Danny Cannell, who just played as Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy? Yeah, right? I just read the shot sheet. Whatever they put in front of me, I read I've it. I've been there. I go there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Nice job. <laughs> as we make sure we get that one right. That was our guy, Baker Mayfield, right there. Yeah, our not our guy. Yeah. Your guy. He's my guy. I actually Baker like Baker. Baker. I like Baker. He's a lot of fun to watch. I like Baker, yeah. And I think you saw why. Because last number one overall pick, I thought coming into the season that he had a chance to start mm-hmm. the game last night. Because of the way the schedule worked out, I thought they might be 0-2. Doesn't, you know, doesn't pan out. They actually, Tyrod Taylor did a pretty good job keeping them positions to win. If they had a kicker, they might have been 2-0 going into that game. They're not. It gets as bad as you could see for the Cleveland Browns and for Tyrod Taylor. As he's out there, nothing was happening. Yeah. He was getting hit almost every play. They couldn't run the football. They go down 14 nothing, And then all of a sudden, and that, it happened a couple plays before. I think Tarah Ta- Taylor, to me, was kind of getting battered, was hearing the boos. Yeah. I was like, I've had enough. It was going off the rails quick. And it you could see off. him start to lose his... His, uh, want maybe to be out there on the field. It looked like he was defeated a bit, not just by the Jets, but by the situation. Absolutely. So he gets a hit. He gets tackled. Head goes towards the ground. He goes to custom protocol. See you later. He's done for the night. Is, is that one of those that if things were going well, you, you, you pop back up and maybe like, I, I'm not I think making so. any accusation, but no, like it I looked so. like that was a, I think it was. And I don't think it's, I mean, I, I think it's just, it is what it is. We yeah. saw it unfold. I don't think it was that bad of a hit. I think he went over there. Concussions are really hard to diagnose. Yeah. I've seen throughout the course of, of the NFL. I thought he was done. He done just for the submitted night. Submitted to the Which, situation. It, yeah, exactly. But Baker Mayfield gets his opportunity. This is the one where you always hear coaches say this. And I used to hate this because I got, I, I've seen both sides of this angle. I've been the backup and been put in the game. To quote, provide a spark. Right. Right. That's what coaches will say a lot of time. Why'd you make a change at quarterback? To provide a spark. I thought you saw Baker Mayfield throw gasoline on that offense and it was ignited. Like yep. that was exactly why you do that. And you know, even if it's, if it's because of an injury, I think you saw why coaches will make a change at quarterback. Everybody started to play better once he was in the game. Yeah. They respond. You could see the team respond. And that's a lot of times that's what you're looking at in sports. When you make a change like that, you want to see who the guys respond to, right? And it was clear that they responded to Baker, as did the stadium. Um, initially, my first thoughts were, when the game started, I thought the play calling was trash. Like, I don't think they did a good job by Tyrod Taylor in terms of getting him into the game. They were running little flea flickers, and like it didn't look like they had a quarterback situation that they wanted to get a dude in rhythm and let him ha- let him be successful. Having said that, as I watched the game unfold, he missed on some wide open like balls. He had Antonio was it's Callaway, Antonio yeah. Callaway. When he underthrew, underthrew, he underthrew him twice. He underthrew him, and, they, yeah. and they, they were begging for a pass interference. As soon as Baker came in, it was evident that he was a better passer of the ball, a better thrower of the ball. Like Tyrod Taylor is one of those dudes who meet who to me looks like you have to be open and he has to see you open and now he's going to throw it um 
Baker is throwing you open. Like yeah. there's a little bit of like he is what's the word that you're what I'm looking for for a quarterback? Like he's anticipating it. Yeah. He's seeing it and he's putting it on the money. Plus his arm was a lot like live liver than I thought it was. Yeah. Um clearly the better passer of the football. So I couldn't really you know, I couldn't really have a beef. And I was a Baker fan coming out in the draft. I, I guess you said that they were, you know, 1-1-1 one, one, and one, or 0-1-1 oh, one, and one with yeah. Tyrod. Yep. If they had a kicking game, they could have been 2-0. and oh. Well, if they had Baker in there, maybe they <laughs> would have been 3-0 and oh really at this good point. point. Like, that's, I don't know. Yeah, so Hugh Jackson, you wonder, all right, if we saw it unfold, if we saw that it looked better, his arm looked livelier, why didn't he start from week one? I think the bigger question is who's starting from here and from here on out. I don't think it's a question. Yeah. But listen to Hugh Jackson's answer. Obviously, I like to watch the tape. Obviously, Baker did some great things. I mean, again, we don't play until next Sunday. We got some you don't days. Have to watch Let's the not tape. I don't know get that into you need those to see. debates tonight. You know, obviously, uh, what he did tonight was outstanding uh, for the football team and for his teammates and just the way he competed. Uh, but I'm get, uh, again, I have to watch the tape. And no, you uh, don't. And we'll go from there. No, you don't. You don't have to watch the tape. Here's the thing. If somehow yeah. Hugh Jackson starts Rod Taylor, you will see fans storming the field. There will be mutiny across Cleveland. There is no way he can go to Terod Taylor. Here's the thing I will say. I think he's doing it for the sort of a gamesmanship thing. We don't. He probably won't name the starter for a few days, and maybe even up to the game he'll say, we're going to decide later. But it's blatantly obvious who they're going to go with. I, I think it's obvious to anyone who they would go with. But I do respect the way he's handling his business in terms of, you know, Terod Taylor came into it. That's a tough situation. Like, you, you brought a guy in there. You probably didn't give him any, you know, indication that you'd be looking to, to draft, like, his the guy who's going to play over him. You paid him a good bit of money. And so just to make just to keep the optics in the locker room and to Terod, like, that's the way you handle that. You right. can know that Baker is the guy right. and not have to go out there and be like, yeah, we're done with Terod. Like, we're going – Baker is our guy. Um, if you – you said, like, the city of Cleveland, it would revolt. They absolutely would. And more – more importantly, I think, and this is the situation that's really interesting, is because Terod Taylor, by all accounts, is a really good dude, Absolutely. and his teammates love him. Yep. Um, there are times in a locker room where I may love you, but I know that the other guy gives us the best chance to win, yep. and that's a funky spot to be in. And so if they should play Terod instead of Baker, not only will they you won't. lose the city, but I think you lose you lose your locker room. If one thirty two and one doesn't right. lose you your locker room, playing Baker at this, I mean playing Tarod after this will they lose your locker room for you. Will not. Like I would be willing to bet any amount of money that the Baker Mayfield yeah. starts the next game. I think we all would, and I think you're right. He does that. And to your point, and this is where this is what I love about locker rooms and sports in general. You throw out race, you throw out politics, you throw out any other stuff that goes on. Guys want it. What does it take to win? Yeah. Like, what does it do? And it doesn't mean anything like they don't like Tyrod Taylor. It just means they want to win and they can see it happening in practice. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor, caretaker. He, yeah. like the, the difference between those two, like was obvious to me last night. If it yes. wasn't before Tyrod's caretaker, I mean, like this dude is a gunslinger. This dude's the type of, whether he reaches this status or not, right. he's got the type of makeup and swag that you could put the saddle on him and ride him to victories. Like he, he that's the way he plays the game. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like oh, there's absolutely. an energy about what and he does. And you saw that at Oklahoma. You saw it all go, going all the way back when he was a walk on at Texas yeah. Tech. Everywhere he's win, he's been able to. I, the thing I love about him is you wonder how the moment's going to be for a quarterback. Is it too big for him? 
not only is it not too big for him, but he thrives in those situations. In the primetime games, last year when he took his yeah. team into uh, Columbus to Ohio State, had one of his better performances of the season. Like he, he embraces thrives and embraces it, which is what gamers do. Like that's why I love guys who consider gamers. They rise to the occasion. A couple thoughts. Um, one, I really loved watching him as the wheels fell off for Terod. Like I felt terrible, but you could see Baker. Baker knew it was coming. Like you could see him over there. He was on the phone. Like he had his tablet. Uh, he was on his plate. He was on his wristband. Like he was prepping if he hadn't already. I mean, I'm sure he prepped for days and days, but right. he was prepping. Like he was mentally engaged in that. Um, and two, like let's just pump our brakes a little bit because it is a half of a game, right? Like, and, and while it's fantastic and everything, Sam Darnold looked like he was the next coming to Joe Montana after one game, and this was just a half of a game. Yeah. So, you know, Cleveland, good for you. Yeah. Let's pump the brakes just a bit. Right. It's a long season. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I think they should be optimistic. Now, I'm, a, I think Cleveland does challenge still. I thought of coming into the season. I think they challenge for a wild card spot. I yeah. don't think they're going to win their division, but I think they can get to eight and eight, nine and seven. We'll see how the, you know, the how conference shakes out. If they can, if that'll get them a spot, I think it does. Uh, so Cleveland's celebrating, right? Yeah. How about your boy J.R. Smith? <laughs> Famous for going shirt. I'm telling you, the Browns win tonight. I'm taking my shirt off again. I'm not wearing yeah. that shirt. The Browns win tonight. For what? sure. Oh. For sure, we out. He's gonna, he makes a promise. Come he on, makes the guarantee. Man. He's been in that Bud Light fridge before the before the game was over. There it is. Nah, he crowbarred that fridge open. He jimmied it open. Look at that. No show shorty, we out here. I've always said like. If I was ripped, if I had abs, I'd be taking off the shirt all the time, too. <laughs> you talked about the beer. Those things were popped after the game. Yeah. I think we got some photos and videos of those going around because I was worried that there was going to be an expiration date on the beer <laughs> because they might not ever get to open it, especially go to 14 nothing. They do it. They get it turned around. There Boom. it is. They come off. Locks off. Locks are off. Unleash it. Man, oh, look at that. Fun. They're very calm. I mean, I thought people would be like storming the fridges trying to fight for the free beer. Look at that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I love that. That's a, and Bud Light, like what a genius idea. I think they, do you think they were rooting for it to go a little bit longer? Um, I think they probably were. I think they wished it would have lasted. Like if you had a lot of close games, yeah. everybody keeps referencing it. That's true. Now it's kind of over with. Speaking of celebrations, I don't, we can't show it on here. Did you see Isaiah Crowell's celebration after his touchdown when he took the ball and uh, used it as toilet paper? Did he really? <laughs> and then he threw it in the stand. <laughs> he will. He, he was a former Brown, though, wasn't he? Was he a former <laughs> yeah, Brown? Yeah. So. so he will. He got a penalty. Yeah. He will receive a Why? hefty fine. Why? Why? He can't be doing that. What about the children? What, what about the children? They wipe their walking? butts, too. That's a good point. That's a good point. Thankfully, I wasn't uh, I watching hope. that with my kids at home on that one. Uh, all right, so that's a good one. Baker Mayfield, congrats to you. We'll see what Hugh Jackson does. Yeah, no doubt. For people crushing him, don't forget, Bill O'Brien did the same thing with uh, Tom Savage, said he gives us the best chance to win. Some of these coaches, they'll do it. They'll always go with the safe play, and then they'll say, oh, it's obvious I need to make this change. Before they do it, that's why I give Todd Bowles a lot of credit for the Jets. Yeah. That I don't need to see anything. Let's go with the rookie. But uh, I think we're going to see the Baker Mayfield era begin for there. All right, rest of the NFL. Moving on, we got the entire weekend slate. Carson Wentz is back. Yeah, playing the Colts. Andrew Luck. We saw him lengthy hiatus. He came back and has looked pretty good so far this season. His completion percentage is off the charts. I'll be interested to see what Doug Peterson does with Carson Wentz. He said he's going to play carefree. You know, hey, we can't be. You know, we're still going to be aggressive. It's one thing to say it's nothing to do it when you see your quarterback who's missed so much time after this ACL injury to go out there and call plays just as if nothing happened. Yeah, I think initially I thought that he would kind of try to protect him and put him in some situations where he could get off the ball. I still would imagine he'd, in, on that play call sheet, like he'd 
the first 10 plays are stuff that, that Carson likes to, to run, course, right? Yeah. Stuff to get him in rhythm. But, you know, remember that, that book came out, I don't know, a couple months ago and it talked about philosophically speaking them, them, uh, you know, wanting to just ultra always stay aggressive and that yeah. was their mind. You so, referenced last year's Jaguars game against the Patriots where they kind of shut it down, got conservative and then they did the Philly special, like all that. I, I would imagine that he is going to come out and throw caution to the wind with Carson after after seeing, you know, the first 10 plays roll off, I think they're going to try to keep it wide open. Whether or not that's the best way to treat it, I don't know, because only they, they've seen him in practice and how he's moving. And a lot of what you're going to do is predicated on that. But I do think that they'll stay aggressive with him and expect him to, I, I would just, again, I caution Philly fans, like, I think there's the, rust involved in that. I think we're, I think he'll stay aggressive in the game, but I think with the game plan itself, I think they'll be a little bit cautious. Rollouts, you know, right. maybe some 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 protections that you would leave your quarterback vulnerable because they'll have five man protections where you're basically saying if you bring anybody, the quarterback has to get rid of his, you know, has to get the ball out of his hands, but he might take a hit. Like right. I would I would anticipate them being a little bit more cautious with some of those type protections, a little bit more max protection, and you can you can still be aggressive and take your shots down the field and still be smart and protect your quarterback somewhat. So I would see that. Andrew Luck has been on fire this year as far as completion percentage. 71.4% of his passes. It would shatter his career high of uh, 63.5. I think this is Frank Reich looking at him and having a conversation with him all offseason saying, you're holding the ball too long. A lot of these hits you're taking are on you. Right. Let's make quicker, better decisions with the football. And I think he's calling plays accordingly. And I think that's why you're seeing Andrew Luck. And it's only two games. It's not gonna, it's not like he's gonna complete 70% of his passes on the season. But I think this is, this is the evolution of Andrew Luck, which I was more interested to see. More so than would he be healthy again? Would he change his style of play to where he protects the football? And he still is a little bit careless. Still has three interceptions and some have been pretty bad. But I'm interested to see if he continues this evolution. So, there's a fine line for me between like having your quarterback become more responsible and, and not hold the ball and then asking him to just get the ball out of his hands and just throw it like little check down Alex, right. Alex Smithy type of thing. So he's averaging 6.1 yards per downfield like target, which is the fourth lowest in the NFL this season. And so I don't know because I haven't watched the games or so on and so forth, but you know, do you sacrifice big playability when you start to condition? And I'm asking you, yeah, like when you start to condition a guy to, you know, not be holding the ball and looking for that, do you do you sacrifice your your team's ability to to max, yes. and max out on very, big plays? It is a very fine line because you see young quarterbacks. I look at Jameis Winston. I think Sam Darnold to some extent last night. Yeah, see him get a little bit too careless, right? They start to take too many shots. You try to be the hero and you try to make every great throw that you can. And then there's the quarterback, like you're talking about, Alex Smith. I found myself later in my career getting too cautious because I was like, I don't want to get benched. I want to make sure I make the team. Yep. You've got to be able to make the decision at the right time to take those shots and when to check it down. And it's this really fine line, and it's what separates the great quarterbacks from just the average ones. Right. And sometimes it'll be different plays. Like you might see on certain plays sometimes, well, I'm going to check this one down. And you start, you do fall into that lull where it hasn't been there. The big, you know, the post, the deep post wasn't there. So you start to predetermine when you're going to check it down. That you cannot do. You've got to stick to your progressions. Take what the defense gives you. And it sounds really generic and no, but, shade, but it is kind of what you have to do. Let the defense dictate when you're going to take those shots right. down the field. All right. Let's take a break because we got to get into some more college football. The red shirt rule. I was fascinated to see how it would play out this season. And I am shocked at one of the, um, one of the aspects that we've seen unfold that I did not see coming. We're going to break that down next. Some college football talk next and off the bench. Let's do some college football because right. we've got a pretty good slate of games this weekend. 
I watch Bama. I think I, I had the tweet. We talked about what is it? Hey, it's Bama's world. We're just living in it. They are so good. They have a quarterback. They have two. They have one that can really stretch the field. They've been blowing teams out. Last year was embarrassing. I think a halftime score was 49 to seven yep. against Ole Miss. The game yep. was done. Like it's almost like you don't have to watch it. Now they got Texas A&M. It's in Tuscaloosa. You think, all right, Texas A&M ranked 22nd. They gave Clemson a run for their money. Took that game late. Beat it. No chance. Beat it. I, like, I o- don't think so either. Overreaction to one half of football. It, like, like, Kellen dope, but. Right. He's, I mean, J- I going would- forward, Jimbo Fisher threat in the, in the SEC West to, to maybe Nick Saban eventually, yeah. but I don't know that it's this I would week. love to see it close. 26 point favorites. Like this is, I'm telling you, they're going to be a two touchdown favorite for the rest of the way. Probably even on the road against LSU. I would love to see this close. I think it'd be good for Bama to get tested somewhat before the playoffs start. But I just don't see. I'm with you. I don't see how Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies keep this one close. How long has the SEC been around? <laughs> a long time. A long time, right? Yeah. So Bama is the first SEC team to open the season with three straight 50 point wins. Like that's that 50 point game. Well, I think I'm sorry, what you're it. seeing is the SEC has always traditionally been a run heavy, old school. Even they've been one of the, the one of the, the conference that's late to the party as far as spread, sure. no huddle, you know, high powered offenses. And even Bama's not really doing that much high powered. They're just that much better in putting up these types of points. They've just they got the be best player setting. in the country in their class at <laughs> yes. every position. Exactly. That's that's the thing. It really is an unfair advantage. Every time Bama takes the field, every single time, even against Clemson, even against Georgia, they have significantly more talent. And I'm talking about not only the starting 22 on both sides of the ball, it's the depth that comes in next. For 80% of their roster is four and five star right. guys. 80% of them. So like it's like good luck stopping them. And Nick Saban's a pretty good coach, right? Absolutely so no drop Good off. luck to them. Um can I give you some Tua stats real quick? I just want to. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Um, 13 for 13 on third downs for 298 yards and six TDs. So he's perfect. Perfection. Perfection on third down. That's what separates. I've said that before. It's what separates the men from the boys. Third down and red zone. Um, 20 drives. So he's got 14 touchdowns, one field goal, two missed field goals. Two fumbles and one. How does Tua let him miss field goals? I, right, How, seriously. What's, what's going on, Tua? <laughs> I mean, I mean no, these are, <laughs> who does this though? It's, it's insane. It's it insane. is. It's like, it's like playing a video game and I, you're playing the expert mode and everybody else is playing the kitty mode. Like yeah. it's, it's ridiculous how insane they've been. The one thing that has been interesting to watch is Jalen Hurts. Will he redshirt? Will he not? This is week four. So we'll find out what we'll, we'll find out next week. He's been playing, has continued to play. I think he's pro, I don't, if they were going to redshirt him, I think the plan doesn't make any sense to play him four and then burn it the rest of the way. I think he's just going to play because he's going to get a lot of playing. Jalen, <laughs> where are you, sir? It's your call. You, If you want to redshirt, redshirt. Tell them fools, hey, man, I'm not playing no more football. I want to preserve, what is it, my senior year, my junior year, whatever it is. Take ownership of that. If you want to play for Bama, I can't tell you not to. But don't let them roll you out there and screw your redshirt year up for you. If you want a redshirt, redshirt, dog. All right, here's an interesting dynamic that I did not see coming with this redshirt rule and something Jalen could potentially do. I don't think he does. Auburn had a player, their mm-hmm. starting wide receiver, Nate Craig Myers. He says, you know what? I've played three games. We lose to LSU. I don't know what the reasons are, but he said, I'm not going to – waste this whole year at Auburn. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to redshirt and I'm going to transfer and leave. I did not see this coming with a starter. Like I think Jalen potentially, I don't think he does, but at other programs, do we see a trend where after week four, all of a sudden you're going to see a slew of transfers. Guys haven't played as much as they've liked. Maybe for whatever reason, maybe they're not getting the ball. They're not featured in the offense, which is something nobody saw coming. No, but I love it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I don't love it because I lost my chance to win a championship, but 
Look, in, in a, when you're taking a kid, and I, I always believe this, I'm a child at 17 years old, yeah. and you're promising me to come in there and play and, and, and have an opportunity, and then next year you find a newer, shinier me, and no matter what I do, like that, that new, new me is better and he's younger. Like I should have the opportunity to figure out if there's a better situation for myself out there. So I'm always um, going to be cool with the players you know, moving, if they can, to give themselves a better chance because it's their life. Here's where I don't like it. To me, it feels, and look, every situation is different. Cause I'm with you. If a player, if a coach guaranteed a player to start, he lied to him during recruiting, then I have a totally different view of it. Here's where I don't like it. To me, it feels like you quit on your team. And I don't know this situation precisely. Yeah. But if you leave after four games and you were a starter and maybe you're, maybe you're upset that you lost and you thought you were going to win a national championship and you just want to bounce somewhere else to get a national championship. That right. to me feels like you bet well, on your teammates. That situation is unique. I don't exactly. have to love that situation, but generally allowing a, a guy to realize like. I love look, the rule yeah. itself because but, then you can get a feel for that. Yeah. So, but that's why I think you can't make any more in college football. You can't make blanket statements of, I hate when guys transfer or I love it. Cause I think you do have to look at each situation. I love it. <laughs> you love it all the time. I love it for a sport where they have virtually no power. Yeah. Now they're getting a chance to wield some of it where they do have some leverage where if a coach wants to mess with them, they can say, if Listen, you don't like it, I'm going to leave. I was at Boston Which university. Also makes it really challenging to be a coach. Cause oh, maybe if you, but you're making, but hard, you're, but you're making $9 million a year. True. So that's your job. Right. Right. That's the, like, so but, uh, what about this though? What if, what if Gus Malzahn has been, or his, his receiver coach has been like, maybe likes him as a player, right. but has been riding him in practice. I need more work. I need you to get better routes. What if that's the situation? And he just doesn't like the way he's been coached and feels like, Hey, these guys should be coddling me a little bit more. It's life in the city, baby. <laughs> the, the receivers coach is probably making a couple hundred thousand dollars. Right, he's like, making and, money. So you lost a player. You, you're going to go out and recruit another one just like him next year. Like, will I, it be impossible to coach players hard then? It, it's already them? impossible to coach players hard. Like they don't they don't let you get in their face. Like at, like it's right. like the whole landscape of coaching has changed in terms of what is that you good or bad? Do. I don't think it's great. I don't. Either. I don't. I'm I'm old school. Like I, I, you know, I teach fifth graders and sixth graders now. Like I coach them like I was coached. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want them to have a thick skin. I want them to, I love them. They know I love them, but there's an expectation level and I'm going to hold you accountable. I just believe that's the way you do it. That's not the way they're, they're, have you had any, here's where the problem Have you had any parent Absolutely. you're too hard on them? Absolutely. I, I lost one of my, one of my better friends. Uh, he played with me in college. Uh, I lost his wife just swore she knew better than me and swore that what I was doing was, and I told her like, this is look, basketball we're talking about basketball. I said, not look, football, not soccer. It's your sport. This is my sport. Yeah. Right. She's, you know, like, so I had to, you know, I would categorically go down and explain to her what I was doing, why I was doing it and why, you know, this was in place and why we had to do it that way. And then finally I just had to say, look, this isn't working out. Like you guys need to leave the program. Like it happens, right. but you know, I'm not, I just think in that situation when you're dealing you know, with kids, because if I had stayed at Boston University in my situation while they played me, it was clear that I wasn't going to have the opportunity that I wanted. Like I never wind up playing in the NBA, right? And that made that was my life, right? So I'm always going to side with the, a kid because he's trying to make his life. You as the coach, or the you've already made your life. Like you're doing what what you want to do. You're making the money. It's the the kid's got a future in front of it, right? That's always the toughest thing that you'll have to judge as it, and it's tough to make that judgment as a kid, as a high schooler, as a college kid is. Does this coach have my best intention or his yeah. or the team's? You know, like one of those aspects. And if it's he's only worried about his career, where is he going, then I would say peace out. But if he truly is worried about you as a player and yeah. wants to develop you and that's why he's hard on you, 
then I worry that some players will give up and they can't see that because they're so young and they're so immature a lot of times. And yeah. I was the same way. Like, well, I, that's why you got to have a good support staff exactly. around. You got to have a, you have, you know, you got to come from a family that's like that you're used to having that. Like there's some accountability in your household. Like your dad's not going to let you off the hook. Your mom's not going to let you be a little punk. You know, right. you have to know right from wrong. Right. Cause, but they're always going to be the dudes who don't want to be coached. And that guy, he won't be successful anyway, Danny. Right. The guy who leaves because right. he's getting coached too hard and he doesn't want to work to get his, get his, you know, meal. Like he ain't going to wind up being much. By the way, ended. side note, we talked a lot about Malik Henry on our special, uh, podcast yeah. we did on, uh, Last Chance You. Right. He's back at Independence Community Is College. Really? Yeah, he's back. And I, they're playing four quarterbacks. Oh. I don't know. It's going to be insane. We'll have to do another nuts. second edition. If you haven't checked out our Last Chance You special episode, uh, podcast, it was pretty fun. Go find that on, uh, iTunes or wherever else you find podcasts. All right, moving on to Ohio State. Big win on the road. TCU come up big with those three uh, fourth-quarter touchdowns. Big loss for them, though, in that game is Nick Bosa. was. Um, they lost him during the game. You're wondering what's going on. He has surgery. Could be out six weeks for this team. Oof. Playing Tulane, don't think it's going to matter. It's all about next week's game against Penn State. But they do get Urban Meyer back this week. I don't think it has any impact on this team whatsoever. None whatsoever. They don't skip a beat. I mean, he's been in practice now for the last few weeks anyway, right? Yeah. Um, I, he's look, been able to help them through the week, just hasn't been there on game day. This And this game here is basically a warm-up. Like, this is a warm-up. Let him get back on the sideline. Next week is what it's all about. The 37, that's a lot of, that's a lot of points, man. 37, Tulane's terrible, right? Like, yeah, absolutely, they're bad. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Um, the Nick, you got to remember they put, scored seventy seven earlier in the year. Ohio State did the, the Nick, yeah, right. The Nick Bosa situation though is something to keep an that eye one on. I like think that obviously it's not going to hurt him against Tulane, but what impact does it have at, against Penn State, right. against Michigan, against Michigan State? You want some depth. If it's six weeks, he would be back towards the end of the season for the rivalry games uh, against Michigan State and Michigan. But like how how much hurt is he? Does it slow him down? And this to me. Nick Bosa was probably the second best player on the defensive side of the ball. Ed Oliver at Houston is probably the best uh, defensive player. But as far as making an impact for his team, it is huge. But I'll say this. Ohio State, similar to Alabama, similar to Clemson, similar to Georgia, they have somebody else that they'll plug in. But you do wonder, like, those guys are younger now. Yeah. And kind of get uh, grow up in a hurry. So I don't think it affects them this weekend, but it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. TCU, just coming off that loss, they go on the road to Texas. Texas just had... What to me was a must-win game for Tom Herman when they beat USC. Thankfully, they did. There were some controversial calls in that game. But now it's like, what do you do now? What happens moving forward? Because if you lose this game, you stay down. I think that emotion, I think the emotions are going to get the best of them. I think coming off of an emotional high like that, mm-hmm. um, a team like TCU just going to come in there with that pace. Like they come in and they're going to smack you in the mouth. I think it's going to get ugly in, in, uh, in Austin. I think so. I think TCU is a really good football team. Yeah. We saw them go toe to toe with Ohio State. We saw, uh, what their quarterback did running around, making plays. They go fast. Defensively, they're going to be really sound. I am not, and look, I was high on USC. I thought this true freshman quarterback could do some things. Yeah. You were high on back. I was coming into the season. Oh, you did. Did you have them? <laughs> I might have had them pick oh, the play. Uh, and they still great. can. <laughs> they, they, they still can. You watch. I'm not giving up on it just yet, but. I think you still see Texas kind of figuring things out. I need to see more. Like TCU, I trust way more in this spot with Gary yeah. Patterson than I do with Tom Herman, uh, Tom Herman and Shane Ellinger, their quarterback, not Shane Ellinger, that's the other, Sam Ellinger, yeah. Shane Bouchelle is a backup, uh, than I do in that spot right now. So this will be, this one could have implications too within the Big 12 with, you know, if you want to still have the conference be perceived as this tough conference, 
How does it look? If it goes to this 55, you know, some sort of high shootout, people are going to rip the defenses. TCU, how can they continue to win out? Because I still think TCU has a chance for the playoffs. Sure. I think it's a long shot. Because they represented themselves well against Ohio State, their playoff hopes are still on the line here too. So they're in a little – Do they cover? They cover this number? Uh, TCU, I think they do. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do those picks later. Uh, all right. You know what? We might do some picks next. We're going to do our moving the line segment, do a little college football and pro picks coming up next, but we are not going to tell you my record on Off the Bench. <laughs> All right, it's time for us to help you make some money. You might want to listen to our boy Raja instead of me. Uh, you're eight and three, killing it. Although I will say there's something shady going on because right before a commercial, like we're on break, it was seven and three, and then all of a sudden just magically eight and three appeared in there to make it match up eleven games. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to start paying attention first. to Debo back there, who's keeping track of this, and make sure we do it. Uh, real quick shout out to Terrell at Terrell45 on Twitter. Watch the show 45. on CBS Sports HQ. I love the interaction yeah. of people watching us live on CBS Sports sure. HQ. If you're listening to the pod, you can go watch us uh, live online at cbssportshq.com interact with us tell us if you don't like what we're saying he didn't like our conversation about the coaches and players who can transfer no no he, he liked a good he, point he liked my side he did he, he liked said my the side. coaches can leave whenever is that not letting your team down i do think so Correct. i agree with you there so the coaches can leave and with four million dollars in their pocket yeah and sometimes a lot more or 75 million dollars if you're jimbo fisher so i agree with you so yeah keep those comments coming if you listen to our podcast go watch us live if you're watching us live and you don't have time to see us all the time, go down the po- podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, iTunes, SoundCloud, everywhere else. All right. That was a quick promo. Moving the line. Yep. Let's start off. NFL. I'm going to let you lead the way. Oh, I get to. Raja Bell. All right. And see how you do. And I'm going to respond so you can't fade me every time because we might have a lot of the same picks. So we have Saints, Saints at the Falcons. at Falcons. Falcons are a three-point favorite playing at home. Uh Saints have not got the run game going this year yet. Falcons are deplorable against the run. I think they get it rolling, even though this one is in Atlanta. And I'm going to take the Saints. Uh So this one for me is int- both these teams, I think, playing in the toughest division. It's one of those ones where they're both 1-1. One and one. You thought maybe they could have both been 2-0. and oh. Kind of underwhelming so far. The Tampa Bay loss was really eye-opening uh, for me. I'm going to say the Falcons cover at home. Okay. Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, my guy, Steve Sarkeesian and him getting comfortable. Calvin Ridley had his first touchdown last week. I think they're getting more comfortable. Still haven't found Julio. I am writing these down. Where is Julio? We're all on the same page. When we get these graphics next week, Falcons, four touchdowns in the red zone uh, in four trips. Four for four last week. Well, you better get Julio the ball. I know that. All right. What about Chargers at Rams? I think the Rams might be the best team in the NFL. So does Vegas. They're a seven-point favorite playing at home. I'm going to take the Rams. Um, Defense is fantastic. Offense Hasn't even really clicked yet, and they're hanging numbers on the board. Um, I don't like that. Both teams are LA teams now, right? Yeah. Like I don't battle really, for LA right here. Yeah, but I don't know about the home field advantage necessarily. I just think the Rams are better. The Chargers aren't bad. I just think the Rams are. I think the Rams are going to cover the seven. All right, you're crazy. I think the Chargers are going to keep this one close. I don't love it. I still, I do really like this Rams team. That defense is pretty filthy. Let me give Philip Rivers a chance. There you go. Keep it close. I think the Rams win. But I think the Chargers cover. So you're you're just gonna fade me now. That's no, not, I'm not, I'm right. I'm going right, off like all this. Okay. All right. I studied all, right. all night last night. <laughs> film. I was up late. That's why I'm so tired. All right, college football. You what we talked you about earlier? You skip it, bro. Bama covers. Bama. All right, so you're going Bama, Bama 26 yes. points. Bama by 26 that. or more. Yes. This is really hard for me. Make them boys look like a Pop Warner football team. Gosh, this one's hard. Ate it again, bro. <laughs> now you're trying to talk. Ate it again. I'm gonna say Bama has their way. I think people. I think this probably should be higher. Yeah. 
I'm going to say Bama keeps rolling. I, they've covered, I think they've covered all three games so far this season. I'm going to say the trend continues on that one. All right, TCU at Texas. We just talked about it. TCU, three-point yeah, favorite going into Austin. I think we like both, it. I think coming off that emotional win, Texas can have a little letdown. TCU is a really good team. I think that pace is going to get to them. So I'm going to take TCU. You just said you were taking TCU. Like <laughs> no, but I might ago. stop. Don't write it out. Debo is live filling in our thing right now. Fantastic. Did I just say that? I was said a second ago. All right. I think they win by one. I think Texas is going to cover. Said they were going to cover in two minutes. <laughs> I did. All right. No, take good. It. No, take. I want you to take Texas because that's another one for me. Take Texas. <laughs> all right. There you go. It's not official until it's official. Oh, uh, you can enough. change your mind that's in one right, right second. Right at the window. Exactly. Change. I'm at the window right now. I'm changing it. Texas covers. Uh, late field goal wins for TCU. I think uh, Sam Elliger, maybe they find their way. Maybe that's a signature win that kind of gets this ball rolling in the last direction. I remember something in the back of my head, too, about Vegas having TCU as the over-under win total at 7, 7.5. Yeah. I'm going to kind of go with that one as I look back at it. All right, my lock of the week. I did the best bet segment earlier for HQ. I'm going to tell you who it is after I hear yours. You already know Nebraska who I'm taking. At Michigan. Michigan is a 17 and a half point favorite. Nope. You like? Nebraska. You like Nebraska? I like Nebraska. I told awesome. you yesterday and I wouldn't bet this part of it, but I think Nebraska can beat Michigan. I love it. I love it. Cause I am actually, this was my lock of the week. I actually had a Michigan at a bad number at 19 and a half. Yeah. So I love it at 17 and a half. Yep. Scott Frost, first year, we've seen a lot of first year coaches struggle. His quarterback's questionable after getting hurt. True freshman on the road. Michigan's going to push them around a little bit. All right. Michigan has over, has it? Maybe we would look at the over uh, for the past five games. I think uh, Michigan three and six against the spread in its last nine games at home. Uh-oh. That one favors you. But you're going, are you taking Nebraska to win outright? No, no. I said I wouldn't, like, I said I wouldn't bet that. I said, but like I got a gut feeling, but I am taking the point. I'm taking Nebraska in the points. All right. Cool. All right. Let's take a break. We're going to do some leftovers. Connor McGregor was Inebriated? Corner. Corner. Got a Connor impression? Yeah, I don't know. Right, I we'll hear that next <laughs> on Off the Bench. We finished it off with some leftovers. I don't smash me, mate. I, smash I, me. I don't wanna, I yeah, don't wanna, smash me. I can smash you say me. send your lo- send location. Here he is right here in front of you. I'm right in front of you. Did you not see me at the outside the bus now? Did you not see me right in front of you outside the... Bus, I showed you my hands. No weapons. The first thing I, when I showed up at that bus, I showed not my hands to let it know I come here unarmed. No weapons. Step off the bus. You talk the big game, now I'm here. He don't- Alright, that was just a little tiny flavor of the Khabib Conor McGregor press conference, which was, and it always is, whoever he's fighting, Nate Diaz, whether it was Floyd Mayweather, like they, he just loses it. Yeah. He's one of the best showmans, like I think, because he does make you either love him or hate him. What percentage of that is show and what percentage of that is, is like genuine? Do you think? I think he's genuinely crazy. Like I think he's a crazy person. Um, but I also think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's generating yeah. buzz because, for example, and you see this all the time. Yeah. When he fights Floyd May, uh, Floyd Mayweather, like it got really nasty. Sure. We were in both both ways, yeah. but there was some stuff that was racial, like, and it, it was really. But then after the fight, as soon as it ends, what do you see? They hug each other out, compliment. Like they both know they just got paid. They got paid. Like, correct. You know, astronomical amounts of money. So I, it's either the money makes all that hatred go away, or it was a lot of show. And maybe it's a little bit of both. And I get like it's a different sport. Like maybe you have to do things to pump yourself up or you're trying to psych the other guy out. But it is this dynamic that's just kind of crazy. But I think these two dudes, 
hate each other. Yeah, there, there's some, there's a level of like disdain there. That like he goes back to the bus incident, which is one he had to settle. Like a guy really like hurt his eye. Like there was a massive settlement. And the fact that he's referencing it in the press conference and Dana White actually said they're going to use some of the video because they have like security cam footage of him throwing, when he's the, throwing stuff at the yeah. bus that Khabib was on. They're going to use that to promote the fight. Like, ah, that's a little shady if you ask me because he was committing a crime. So he's out there. the bottle that he had in his hand was his, his mm. like whiskey or whatever. Yeah. Cause earlier, or I don't know exactly what point it unfolded in the press conference. He's asking Khabib to take a shot. He's like, come on, mate, do a shot with me. And Khabib's like, I don't drink. And he goes like, goes after him. Like he was pretty in, like so, intoxicated. Yeah. So he was, he was, so he's hawking. Seemed like, like it. Let me ask you what, how would that people see? So, I mean, look, I don't, <laughs> no one seems to really be upset with Connor on any level. They think it's like, oh yeah, he's Connor being Connor. Let Floyd Mayweather get up in a press conference, drunk, right. hawking whiskey, talking crazy like that. Right. What what kind of stuff would be spewed about Floyd Mayweather this morning? Seriously, like people on a would real be level. crushing him. People would be yeah. crushing him. There's general and but Floyd has a complex history too because he's had this women uh, domestic violence issues, right. which and he's never really been apologetic for him. Yeah, but they, uh, that has nothing to do with. Right. Drunk at a but I, but I think it has to do with, but I think it has people to do with hating him. Like I think a right. lot of people genuinely don't like Floyd Mayweather. I think he would get crushed a lot more. And some guys get a pass. Yeah. Some guys don't. Like Gronkowski. Like look what we do with him. Yeah, no true. Because he's white? Like is it because, oh. hey, he's the frat boy, he's partying, oh, it's just Gronk being Gronk? This one feels like, oh, that's just Connor being Connor. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that this one is racially motivated. I'm just wondering. Like I, 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 you know, some dudes would get a pass for it. Like I don't understand why this, this, like I like Conor McGregor sometimes, but right. like I don't know why you get a pass for getting up there acting like a, an ASS. Like I don't well, you know I think, what I mean. And it's become the norm. Right. Like he hasn't had the alcohol up there, but he always. I mean, almost every single one. No, I mean, look, selling fighting. the fight is fine, but like when you start getting up there and now we know you're drunk because right. you've got your bottle of alcohol there, like right. that—that's another level. Right? And it always see. I don't want UFC to become WWE where it is staged and it is fight, and that's right. where I make it like, all right, well, what are we really doing here? Because Dana White is standing between, he's like holding back. If Conor McGregor really wanted to get a punch in on Khabib at that press conference, he could. Yeah. But it's kind of like it's like one of those hold me back, hold me back when you know he can't really do it, and they hope, do it to. Punch. I hope Khabib whoops his. <laughs> But to your point, and this happens with Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor moves the dial. Yeah. I will watch this fight. I don't watch a whole lot of UFC. I will tune this one in to see what yeah, happens, true. which is what's exactly what that's Dana what White wants, you know, see. exactly. So uh, it should be interesting to see how that one, and that will not be the last bit of trash talk we hear before that fight goes down. NBA, we've talked a lot about uh, different guys' shots, Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz. Because we live in an era where everything is on video, we're actually seeing the, the shots transform before our eyes. Yeah, I don't love Markel that. Markel Fultz is out there shooting. Uh, we finally get to see him shoot the basketball on video. Did you, uh, did you have a glimpse at this? Form? I saw it. Yeah. Debo and they were showing me yesterday. Um, it's, uh, it's really pushy. It's like a push, it's a little push shot. Um, I'm not a shot doc. So <laughs> what I, what I do know is shooting is very, very mental, like even more so than the rest of the game. Like it is a mental struggle with yourself. If you're not confident in it. And that is a very, very delicate thing. And that shot right there, that little push shot, he doesn't look 100% invested in that. It looks like it is. That shot. <laughs> what, what he's doing when he shoots that ball, Danny, is every time he catches it, and you can attest to this probably with a golf swing, like when you're learning how to swing a golf club, there are a million shot, uh, a million swing thoughts that go through your head when you're shooting the ball. That's a paralyzing thing. Right. Like it has to be just a habit, like a boom. I got this. It looks like he's thinking about, all right, catch, all right, get it to the, all right, here we go. All right, I'm going to let it go. Fingers through. Like when you've got all of those things going on in your shot, 
it's going to be hard to replicate and duplicate that shot over and over again in live game situations. You can do it in practice at that speed with nobody in front of you, but I don't know that that translates to a game. I think the better golf coaches I've had have always said, because I'll, I'll go through a lesson. I don't take many lessons because I just don't like it, but or I'll read an article about the swing. I'll always try, instead of going, all right, stance is here. I want to take the backswing to here. At impact, I want to be here. I try to think of one thing yep. and just eliminate everything else and say, I'm going to work on this one thing today. Do you think that can work from a shooter's perspective, or is it even that, like, you just so, have to shoot? Is it repetitions that will help him? When I'm working with my sons on their shot, um, it's harder with kids because, like, when they're young, they got to get here, and then you got to build them a shot from, like, here, and then you got to build them a shot from here. So right now, with my older son, we're in between here and trying to get it up. He's not really strong enough with a big ball to go there yet, so his shot's here. And I'm with you. Like, if I have him thinking about, like, dude, are your shoulders lined up? Is your elbow at the rim? Are we, like... It's too much going on. So we we focus with him on getting those two fingers through the ball. Right. Like that's what that's we want to do. Yeah. Get those two fingers through the ball. That takes care of having your hand in the middle of the ball. It takes care of making sure your thumb is locked in. It takes care of having the ball off the palm of your hand. Just that one thought cures a whole lot of things. So that's our only our only focus. You know what I think is an unintended result of the new basketball, like the way it's played with the three and D and the three shot po- uh, uh, three shot point three point shot. <laughs> I couldn't get that out. Three point shot yeah. has become such a focal point. When I, when you and I were playing, I don't even think you thought about taking no. a three pointer until high school. Right. Right. Now kids at 11, 12, they're like, I want to, I want to be Steph Curry. I think that is having an unintended consequence of them having to adjust their shot right. to get the ball that far because they're simply not strong enough, which is why I think Lonzo Ball's shot has kind of developed the way he is, where it comes across. Magic says Lonzo has tweaked his shot. Are you buying it yet? Uh, yeah, I'm buying that he tweaked it, but I'm not buying that. Look. A tweak of a shot, a shot that starts here to get it to be like a good shot, it's, it's an overhaul. It's not a tweak. Right. So tweaking it for, all right, here's the deal. When you're shooting the ball, I just talked about it with my son. When you're shooting the ball to be consistent and to make a ball go straight where your fingers want it to go every time, your hand has to be balanced in the middle of that ball. Part of the problem with Lonzo isn't the fact that it comes from over here as much as it's the fact that his hand's not in the middle of the ball. Right. So when you're, that's what he's got to work on. Whether that shot comes from here, 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 get his hand in the middle of the ball and then start seeing what the result is when his hand's in the middle of the ball. And so, while, uh, yeah, I believe that magic when he says he's tweaked it. I don't know if it's going to be all of these viable ones, shot or not. All these guys that we're seeing tweak shots, work on their form, I need to see it in the game. Yeah. Everybody can go out there and do it in practice. You can Absolutely. look great. Your form can look great. You can hit 80% or whatever it is in practice. Nobody's covering you. What do you do under fire? Most of the times you're going to revert back to what you do naturally as a kid. It's going to take a long time for them to really tweak their shot where it changes. I agree. I think Lonzo will shoot. Well, he'll have more success with his than Markel will this year in terms of shooting the ball because he's confident in it. Like when you see Lonzo shoot, whether it goes into a 40% like degree or not, he believes he's making it. Yes. And that's too is an injury thing too. So you don't know where his health is and how his strength is getting the ball up. All right. Let's finish it off with some Tiger Tiger Woods, y'all. Yeah. Because he was uh, finished the day with an eagle yesterday, five under. (laughs) All right. So you have a bold prediction. You don't want to go there? No. I've said it. If you go back and listen to some of the pods, I've been, I've been on this for months you have and so can he win the fedex cup playoff that's the question we're going to look at i thought i think if he does which is a long shot he needs a lot of things to happen one of course being he has to win this uh tour championship but he also needs some other guys to falter bryson dechambeau needs to finish tied for 15th or worse justin rose needs to finish in a three-way tie for fifth or worse uh tony finau needs to try for third or worse a lot of stuff needs to happen dustin johnson second or worse i could go through them all but a lot of stuff needs to happen sure even if he just wins this tournament, 
I think it is a massive win for Tiger Woods. And if he somehow wins the FedEx Cup, I think it's more impressive than him winning a major this past year. This will be the best year of his career. It'll be the best year of his career. Seriously. Like, coming from where he started this year. He's always come from the top. Yes. Like, playing from the... And, like, there's something to be said for being the hunted and continuing to, to win. Yes. But he has never come from where he's come from in terms of the depths of, you know, injury, probably mental doubt, just... Addiction he's I, talked I, about. You're talking about personal lows, probably, for an individual. Um, to build yourself back up, through the course of a season, you don't even know if you play golf again. Yeah. If something happens at the end of this, for me, maybe not for him. I would imagine I think for him would deep say, down too. I think maybe. if you heard him after holding the cup up and he's doing his post, I think he will be emotional. I think he'll talk about what a relief this is. And I agree. I think he would say, this is the greatest accomplishment yep. of my career. Now you could argue with the 14 majors sure. and all that. Sure. But I think for him, for what he's come back from, and I think it would be awesome to watch. Either way... Even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't win the tournament, I think it projects next year oh, dude. into what's going to be an unbelievable. And for ball. golf, like you could never argue whether you like Tiger or not. Like for golf, like Tiger is a, it's a must-have while he's while he's relevant in terms of age yep. and ability. He yep. just helps the whole thing go. Get out of here, man. Go get on the couch. Assume the position. <laughs>